Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The bargaining between the United States and Iran, whether formally and indirectly in Vienna or elsewhere and through other channels, is evidently approaching its endgame. The indicators include a waiver on sanctions related to nuclear work in Iranian facilities, reversing a Trump-era policy, and serving as a goodwill gesture on the part of the Biden administration. U.S. President Joe Biden himself talked with Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett in what was obviously a preface to an announcement on a Vienna deal. Following that conversation, in which Biden accepted an invitation to Israel, Bennett's national security advisor flew all the way to Washington for talks with his counterpart. With the JCPOA's return from the dead seemingly at hand, joining us to analyze this issue all the way from Washington, D.C., is Dr. Oli Heinonen, who is the former Deputy Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency, as well as a Distinguished Fellow at the Stinson Center in Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you very much, Cindy. Indeed, also joining us all the way from Berlin, Germany, is Ambassador Shimon Stein, who is the former Israeli ambassador to Germany and a senior fellow at the Institute for National Security Studies in Tel Aviv. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. In uh, the studio here with me, of course, is our TV7 editor at large, as well as the host of Watchmen Talk, Paris and Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest developments. There have been plenty of developments, so we'll try and keep it brief. Uh, ahead of what seems to be just the final straw before uh, the moment where we may or we, we may not, if uh, I may also put that extension to that, uh, have a revived 2015 nuclear agreement. So uh, sometimes during negotiations, one hears of uh, compromises and uh, the gap being breached. And this uh, is not uh, the uh, case right now. Um, we are in the dark regarding the substance of uh, whatever deal is going to be reached. But uh, all the uh, political indicators are pointing in this direction. Of course, nothing, nothing is final until... It is final until the uh, highest echelons uh, in both Tehran and Washington approve it. But it does seem as if uh, at least President Biden and to some extent the Iranian regime are laying the ground for their uh, electorates, their populations to accept the uh, new reality of uh, a revived or perhaps uh, changed in uh, uh, some aspects uh, deal. Now, um, as you said, when Bennett and Biden uh, had the conversation, Bennett made sure um, to announce to the Israeli public uh, that he is not necessarily in favor of whatever deal emerges from Vienna. But neither is he going to try and sabotage it the way uh, Benjamin Netanyahu tried to do when Barack Obama, with Biden as his vice president, uh, brought it uh, to Congress uh, almost seven years ago. So it does seem as if Biden at least 
um, had some indication given to Bennett, which was not uh, for uh, publication. And therefore, his national security advisor, Hulata, flew to, uh, to see Jake Sullivan in order to hear the details. And we may be very close to an official announcement. Indeed, of course, also the technical terms of, of this agreement, if indeed revived, uh, may not necessarily be 100% contingent with uh, uh, the paper reached in 2015. I'd like to ask you, Mr. Uh, Dr. Heinonen, when we're looking at this, uh, and we hear also IAEA Director General Rafael Mariano Grossi speaking to Al Arabiya in uh, the Gulf uh, while visiting uh, the Arabian Gulf uh, about uh, the prospects of uh, a revived deal, which would then reassert uh, the international agency in its uh, monitoring regime on the various uh, installations in Iran. Do you, do you see the, the current state of play actually satisfactory from a technical perspective? Uh, is the Iranian nuclear program truly in the position to be monitored and uh, scrutinized in a manner that would alleviate concerns with regard to its aspirations? Thank you. I think that we, have, we see here a deal which has two parts. One is, let's call it the old JCPOA, which has those technical measures uh, including the IAEA monitoring and Iran's obligation. And the other part of the deal, which is the new part, is the lifting of sanctions in such a way which satisfies also the requirements of Iran, that they are really removed. So I think that's the deal which is in the table and which Ambassador Mihailo, Mihail Ulyanov mentioned the other day. But then going just purely to the technical aspects of the deal. When we listen, I, I listen to these discussions with very, from various parties. A few weeks ago, they talked talk that the perfect should not be an enemy of good. Then I learned a couple of weeks ago that the better should not be an enemy of good. Now I hope that the word is not that the worse, uh, good should not be an enemy of worse so that there is no relaxation on the provisions of uh, this JCPOA. Does it meet the previous uh, verification standards? Most likely not, because Iran's nuclear program has taken quite a lot of advances, particularly in the area of uh, centrifuges, more advanced centrifuges, fabrication capabilities. They built a new fabrication plant somewhere uh, near Isfahan. We don't know about the size capabilities. So it's a very different Iran, Iranian nuclear program which we have today. It has also experience on dealing with the higher enrichments. So I would say that if they want to leave the agreement once they get to the threshold, they are pretty well dressed up and ready to go. And this is a challenge to the verification regime which had its uh, drawbacks. And what was also missing on the verification scheme when we saw that Iran didn't comply with basic safeguards agreements, uh, provisions, two years has passed and no compliance. This shows that the international community, particularly the P5 plus one, are not living to the standard they have promised. Indeed. I'd like to ask your take on this, Ambassador Stein, but I'd like also to 
uh, add another factor as part of a possible return uh, to uh, to such an agreement within five days of a reached agreement in accordance with the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act of 2015 of the U.S. Congress. It grants uh, Congress oversight over any such agreement with at least 60 members of Congress uh, needing to then adopt or, or acquiesce to the president's request to re-enter such an agreement. And within this uh, uh, bill, it says the following, a certification that the agreement meets U.S. non-proliferation objectives does not jeopardize the common defense and security, provides a framework to ensure that Iran's nuclear activities will not constitute an unreasonable defense and security risk, and ensures that Iran's permitted nuclear activities will not be used to further any nuclear-related military or nuclear explosive purpose, including any related research. Do you think that uh, the U.S. administration at this stage can satisfactorily come approach Congress and say that all the standards under this act are fulfilled? Well, I, I think I assume that if the U.S. indeed will sign up on uh, what is described uh, as the JCPOA from 2015, it will make sure that uh, such an uh, agreement will live up uh, to uh, all the requirements uh, uh, that you have uh, just mentioned and even beyond that. So uh, I consider it uh, to be from the U.S. administration uh, something that they have uh, thought of and uh, will certainly have taken on will take it uh, into account. But uh, at the end of the day, as uh, Dr. Heinonen has pointed out, we are in 2022. That uh, agreement has uh, been signed up in 2015. And at that time, it reflected uh, the reality on the ground, so to speak. But seven years from that, uh, we find ourselves uh, in a different uh, uh, situation uh, with uh, uh, Iran, Iran making advances on the centrifuge. Uh, they have shown all that uh, they are capable of uh, uh, enriching to uh, 60 uh, percent. And now there is uh, an international discussion among experts whether Iran has already reached the threshold or is about to reach the threshold. My feeling is that uh, Iran is capable of reaching the threshold if Iran wants, even if it takes uh, a bit of time, but uh, no political decision has uh, been uh, uh, made at the Iranian leadership level as to how far uh, uh, to go in uh, alienating, defying the international uh, community. And the question then is, uh, at the end of the day, because we are Israelis, the question then which presents itself is, uh, what are the consequences of uh, uh, such a signed agreement as far as Israel is concerned and uh, what are uh, what as I said what are the consequences that we may uh, derive uh, for uh, uh, the future in terms of uh, of uh, any preparedness or even going beyond one thing which Amir uh, has uh, not uh, mentioned uh, is that uh, according to the uh, to the uh, uh, media uh, the President Biden has given uh, Israel uh, freedom of operation, uh, which uh, perhaps is with a view of the uh, post, whatever will be signed or not signed. 
that means that the scope of Israel your operation, and that is the second point of what uh, I understand that uh, Israel has decided no longer to confine its activities to the nuclear dimension, but uh, looking at it, uh, uh, looking at the threat uh, in a comprehensive manner, which will include also additional items, and not only that, but probably going beyond uh, uh, confronting uh, Iranians' proxies to confront Iran up front, that is to say, even uh, consider the Iranian territory as a legitimate uh, a target for activities which are meant uh, uh, to undermine Iranian overall activities in the Middle Indeed. East. So we would be facing a kind of a new phase, and I'll be uh, quite curious to know uh, how will Iran in that case also react, uh, and whether we are really find ourselves in what uh, the Israeli National Security Advisor, Mr. Hulata, has said that the coming year will be a year of turns that uh, many things might uh, happen, and uh, I think that things will happen uh, if there is an agreement, as bad as it will be, and the consequences as far as Israeli being allowed to have a much broader freedom of action than uh, it uh, has had so far. Indeed. Well, uh, the celebrations in Iran, of course, uh, uh, this past week focused on the 43 years to the Islamic Revolution, uh, and... Uh, various activities surrounding that. There was one sentence, one quote that caught my eye, and that is of uh, the chief of general staff of the Iranian military, uh, Major General uh, Bagheri, who stated that the moment uh, the agreement is reached and the, the U.S. sanctions, which he called criminal, would be lifted, uh, that will be the moment where the Iranians will become one of the largest exporters of arms. This, of course, spells quite uh, the, the interesting string of affairs that may consequently uh, impact this region. Uh, Mr. Oren, to what degree do you see this as a signal to Israel that they are expected to see additional uh, challenges at hand? And what is the, the uh, uh, United States, the, the, the E3, even Russia and China, what are they uh, doing at this stage when negotiations are still taking place, yet at the same time we're seeing a reality where there are contradictions at hand. It does seem to be a signal, but a domestic one. Um, to the armed forces, of course, the IRGC um, is the uh, Artash or the military's rival rather than uh, collaborator. But to the population at large, um, in order to uh, present the imminent uh, agreement uh, as an achievement, as a victory uh, for Iran, uh, rather than being uh, imposed uh, on it. Now, um, they used to say of uh, British uh, General, later Field Marshal Montgomery, that in his room, in his uh, headquarters, he had uh, a photo of German General Rommel on his wall in order to uh, keep his eye on his main rival. If Prime Minister Bennett uh, has such a habit, he does not have uh, Ali Khamenei uh, on his wall. He has Benjamin Netanyahu. And because he is afraid of Netanyahu and he needs political cover against Netanyahu, he got what, you, uh, what was just quoted by uh, Shimon regarding the freedom of action. And that is um, something which uh, uh, Biden may say 
with no problem because eventually if Israel wants to proceed in a military way against the Iranian nuclear infrastructure, it will have to weigh the pros and cons of the situation at hand. And uh, it behooves any Israeli prime minister to act unilaterally with, without uh, at least feeling the pulse of the American president. So Bennett could say to the Knesset, to Netanyahu, I have my freedom of action. Whether or not I want to use it is another matter. And as for his uh, bravado regarding now we are going to hit Iran also uh, uh, on other fronts, not only on the nuclear file, this has been going on for at least four or even six years. Israel um, has uh, launched hundreds of uh, sorties against the Iranians in uh, Syria, not only the proxies, not only the other militias, but the Iranians uh, themselves. And uh, within Iran, of course, you remember the atomic archive and various scientists uh, being killed uh, on their home ground. So nothing new there. Indeed, uh, Dr. Heinon, and I'd like to hear uh, from your perspective. Several years ago, the late uh, Yukia Amano, uh, who was at the time uh, the Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency, he uh, spoke about Section T in uh, the IAEA. Back then, he already mentioned that while Iran is in compliance of uh, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, there are problems with this paper because ultimately it doesn't provide all tools necessary to provide 100% verification. Do you think that the international community is now going to take this into account or are we already dealing with the watered-down agreement of uh, a previously manufactured watered-down agreement? Unfortunately, it looks like to me that they are going to adopt the current JCPOA at as best, maybe even a diluted one. So verification regime doesn't get better. And at the same time, we have challenges on this advanced infrastructure. So I don't see any way out. And people talk a lot about the IAEA safeguards. I would like to remind you also that certain things are getting their old. People praise Addison Protocol. Addison Protocol was adapted, adapted in 1997, 25 years ago. 25 years ago. In the environment which was there, in an environment where a lot of compromises were done in order to get it introduced through the IAEA Board of Governors. And since then, we have learned a number of lessons. All these compliance cases, Iran, Libya, South Korea, Egypt, they came after the uh, additional protocol was approved. And if you look carefully, the studies which the IAEA made in 2003, 4, 5, and 6 on those countries. All of them, all the verification went beyond the ver verification requirements of additional protocol in order to provide assurances that the clandestine or nuclear weapons activities have been uh, irretrievably uh, dismantled and they are in full compliance of their safeguards undertakings. Unfortunately, job is still not to be done after 20 years in Iran. So I'm not overly optimistic 
with these provisions which are there that we will solve the problem. Something more is needed. Or Iran changes entirely its uh, behavior. That's the other possibility. Indeed. And uh, if I, if I may, uh, please. Uh, I uh, fully share uh, Dr. Heinonen's uh, assessment. And I think that uh, since uh, you moderator referred to Section T and the whole uh, complex of the possible military dimension, that those were unresolved issues uh, when the uh, JCPOA was resolved. Mind you, there were also disagreements among the uh, among the negotiator. Russia was not uh, too uh, happy and enthusiastic to uh, simply uh, do something about it. So uh, I think that the again uh, going back to the original in this sense, we leave the original days JCPOA with those sections unresolved and will be continue uh, to be unresolved because I didn't uh, hear in the media that there were intensive discussions about it. So I assume that the uh, question will stay as it was when the JCPOA was uh, signed in 2015. Indeed, you of course noted correctly that at the time the Russians tried to uh, push the IAEA back from discussing this even, saying that it's none of their business, they have their mandate, and the political uh, leadership should take the decision based within the multilateral uh, fora. But I'd like to ask you, Mr. Oren, uh, at a time when there are still outstanding questions out there, uh, nuclear particles that were uncovered, uh, that the Iranians have sent in uh, very concrete questions about. The Iranians responded uh, in uh, uh, various uh, methods that the IAEA itself said was just simply untrue. Um, so w when we're looking at this, and, and the situation is precarious at most, how can we now be satisfactory uh, or at least satisfied or, or even uh, ensured about Iranian intentions to fulfill its obligations under a revived agreement? Well, it's appropriate that we are dealing with nuclear matters because one has uh, to keep in mind the general theory of relativity. Everything is relative uh, here. And uh, the uh, deal reached uh, seven years ago, almost in July, was, as uh, Dr. Heinonen mentioned, far from perfect, was not the best, was at most better than other options, according to those who negotiated it. But it was the proverbial device which, if not broken, should not be fixed. President Trump tried to fix it, and worsened the situation. The whole uh, line of the Biden administration is that over the last three years, the situation has become worse because of the American revocation of their commitments under the JCPOA. The Iranians uh, responded in kind, and now one, one has to fix it. And therefore, uh, the question is, is it better than what will happen if the situation is left unchecked. So it's not the diplomatic masterpiece that you, High Representative uh, Josep Borrell, uh, so ardently portrayed time and again? It's um, a high diplomatic achievement if the alternative is war. Then the diplomats may say we saved uh, mankind from um, another disaster. Averting a disaster before it occurred. Uh, well, 
we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I'd like to give each and every one of you the opportunity to briefly uh, provide a short analysis and a point, maybe a suggestion, if you will. Uh, Ambassador Stein, we'll start with you. Well, uh, summing up, uh, if there is an uh, if there is an agreement uh, uh, signed, then uh, I guess that will live up uh, to uh, the uh, Biden administration' utmost effort to get it off the agenda, because it is not considered uh, uh, to be something which is extremely vital to U.S. national interest, but a nuisance that, given the other problem that the uh, Biden administration is facing now should uh, be removed. Secondly, uh, uh, just to remind that Biden administration saw the signing or return and signing of the original uh, JCPO from 2015 as a first step towards uh, reaching, negotiating and reaching a longer and stronger agreement. Uh, I doubt it very much whether the administration in the coming three years will be able to live up uh, to uh, that uh, commitment. Uh, Dr. Heinonen, a shorter and weaker agreement? Well, we will see when the facts are on the table. But, you know, I would caution with that, that, you know, we might not be just looking at temporary solution. And my past experience shows that temporary solutions develop to long-term problems. And this is what we are going to see. We will probably see uh, nuclear uh, Iran which is sitting on the nuclear threshold, and it's not going to be very good for the Middle East. Indeed. Mr. Owen? Uh, you mentioned the uh, senator's letter, uh, most or perhaps even all of them Republicans. And this is, of course, an indication... I mentioned earlier this week the senator's letter. Yes, yes. so, so that uh, even um, should uh, Donald Trump or someone uh, like Trump um, go back to the White House in January of uh, uh, 2025. Uh, there is this uh, threat, which we don't know yet how it was solved. Perhaps the Russians or others will commit to the Iranians. They will take care of it. But we don't know under the uh, American uh, uh, system of government how uh, one president can commit his successor not to do uh, anything about it. So it will be very interesting to see come this November, the midterm elections, what is the shape of things to come vis-a-vis -vis Iran along with other issues. Regardless of the situation, we do see that the Europeans are falling in line with the American position rather than the other way around. We also see the U.S. national or the U.S. Uh, uh, special envoy to Iran, Rob Malley, uh, provide a classified uh, uh, address to, to Congress uh, within the classified forum, of course, and uh, updating them on the latest in Vienna. But uh, beyond that, we still need to wait and see as we spectate the situation. With that being said, I'd like to thank Dr. Oli Heinonen, uh, Ambassador Shimon Stein, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's program. And uh, also our viewers, thank you for watching us, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.